Welcome to Profit First Nation, the official podcast for entrepreneurs who are operating their businesses in the zone of permanent profitability. I'm Mike Michalowicz, the author of Profit First, and now here's your Profit First Nation guide, Daniel Mulvey. Welcome to Profit First Nation, the podcast for the top 17% of entrepreneurs with cash in the bank to correlate to their profitability. Profit First Nation is the podcast for intelligent entrepreneurs who have taken ownership of their financials and leveraged Profit First as a cash management system to make their businesses permanently profitable. I am Danielle Mulvey, an expert at guiding entrepreneurs on owning their financials in as little as 11 minutes per day and doing Profit First right. If you are a fan of Profit First and its author, Mike Michalowicz, you have found your tribe. We are a nation of successful entrepreneurs driven to be permanently profitable with a grit and a growth mindset that lets no obstacle stand in our way in pursuit of the three P's, passion, profit, and play. On Profit First Nation, we dive into advanced Profit First strategies, as well as share the honest and authentic ups and downs of being a business owner. It's an episode ending in five, so fan favorite Billy Ann Grigg is back. Billy Ann is the chief Profit First Professionals guide. She is like the buck stops with her in Profit First World. Welcome back, Billy Ann. Thanks, Danielle. It's always fun to be here. And, uh, you know, you get a lot of questions from a lot of people around the world. So um, I would love for you to share some of the things that have been coming into your inbox. Yeah, definitely. So um, I have a question here from Keith, and I'm just going to read his question because it's a very good question. It's a three-part question, but don't worry, we'll break this down piece by piece. Um, so he's on chapter three in, of the Profit First book, and he had some questions that he would like clarification on. Question number one, what is the difference between profit and owner's comp? That's a really common question. Um, question number two, after all seven accounts are set up and you're transferring funds from profit and tax of your primary account to profit and tax hold accounts, does that mean your profit and tax of your primary account will have a zero balance after the transfer? Am I transferring all the funds from those primary accounts to the no temptation accounts? And then question number three, after you transfer funds from your income account into the other four accounts, does that also mean that your income account will carry a zero balance as well until more revenue is created? So three uh, pretty uh, beginning level questions, but really, really good ones. And it's really important to understand these concepts. So let's bounce back to question number one. What is the difference between profit and owner's comp? Okay, the confusion here is uh, largely around our sole proprietors, our solopreneurs, who have been told by their accountants that their profit is their income. That is their income because of the way that they are structured as either a disregarded entity or a DBA, whatever it is. If they're not incorporated in some way, from an accounting standpoint, their profit is their income. That is what they're taxed on. So I like to clarify that right off the bat. Your accountant is not telling you wrong. They are just talking accountant. They're speaking accountant as opposed to business owner slash cash management. In Profit First, what we're doing is we are taking the cash and we are designating a portion of it for profit, which is your bonus, if you will, for having a successful, profitable business and owner's compensation. Owner's compensation is your 
income, your compensation, your payroll, if you will, even if you're not on payroll, that sustains your lifestyle. Um, And that's a combination of what you draw out of the business to pay your mortgage and things like that, any benefits that you're running through the business, cell phone, vehicle, those sorts of things. Um, So that's kind of one of those sticking points that, depending on your accountant, your accountant might be telling you the correct information, but they're looking at it from accounting terms as opposed to profit first terms. And we talked about this on episode 55. So a good reference point would be also if you're still needing some clarification on this um, episode 55 of the podcast. I refer back to that episode all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. And then then the next part. Okay. So part two, after all seven accounts are set up and you're transferring funds from profit and tax of your primary bank, so from your primary bank, you have your profit and tax accounts, and then you're transferring that fund or that money to your no temptation bank, your profit and tax hold accounts. Does that mean the profit and tax accounts in your primary bank will have a zero balance after the transfer? That's a yes, but. And the but is some banks will close an account that has a zero balance at the end of the day. My bank is one of those. So you really need to have a good conversation with your banker and find out what their parameters parameters are. Others will say, you know what, if you drop below $5 in the bank account at any point, you're going to get charged a fee. So you just need to know um, what your bank is going to require. Some banks are fine if you leave a penny in that account. Okay, then leave a penny in that account. What I do, though, is I set a floor. And I do this for my income account, too. I'm kind of jumping ahead to part three of the question. But I do this in my income account, too, where I say I want to leave a $100 balance at all times in these accounts. And then that way, whenever I'm doing my transfers out of my profit and tax account to my profit and tax hold accounts, I just subtract $100 from whatever the balance is at my primary bank and move the rest over to my no temptation bank. Um, And that just makes sure that if for whatever reason there is some sort of a fee, um, I can cover that. Um, If there is, there's not a, a chance or a risk, if you will, of my account balance going down to zero and the bank looking at that and saying, okay, well, we're going to do cleanup maintenance and close this account. Right. Yes, people, when you with your profit and your tax account at your primary bank that you do those initial allocations to, you are going to leave a little bit in there. And, you know, a lot of people just have trouble and, and they think it's too much trouble to have that profit and tax account at your primary bank and then have essentially duplicate accounts, profit hold and tax hold at the inconvenient bank. But it was really, really important to follow this sequence to allocate from that income account at your primary bank to your small plates at your primary bank, your allocation accounts of profit, owner's pay, tax, and operating expenses. And then, yes, that money in profit and tax is staying there for just a little bit. And, you know, like Billy Ann recommends, and, and you know, we do it too because our bank is just a little bit sometimes wonky about things. Um, you know, you just have to keep some sort of floor or some sort of minimum balance in there. But the bulk of it, you know, gets transferred almost immediately, gets swept to your inconvenient bank. And it's really important. You want to do profit first right. You don't want to do profit first-ish, 
Profit First Right is having that profit and tax account at your primary bank and having that profit hold and tax hold account at your inconvenient bank. And you use all of those accounts on your allocations, right? Absolutely. Yes. And it's interesting that uh, that you mentioned that. Um, some of our Profit First professionals in the past have been resistant to those profit and, and tax hold accounts. And then when they start using them, they talk about how psychologically it, it's so different to have that money out of their primary bank, even if they've hidden those profit and tax accounts at, at bank one to where they can't see them on their dashboard, they know it's there. But when it's gone, when it's in that no temptation bank, it's treated with a little bit more sanctity, I guess, or they're, they're less inclined to be tempted by that money. And because you can also set up a different way at that, you know, it's easier to set up more barriers to access that money as well um, at mm-hmm. that inconvenient bank versus your primary bank. So, um, and then part three, did we kind of touch on that? Kind of, uh, but let's circle back to that. So after you transfer from your income account into the other four accounts, does that also mean that your income account will carry a zero balance as well until more revenue is created? I think keeping a, a reserve or a buffer, a floor of money, and again, it doesn't have to be much, but keeping that in your income account is so important especially if you take credit cards or if you accept checks. Because think about this for a minute. Depending on your credit card processor, your credit card processor might take their fee out of every single deposit. But when you build history and if you have your account structured in a certain way, they are going to draw their merchant processing fee from the account that they're depositing depositing the funds into on a monthly basis, let's say. You don't want to get into a situation where your credit card processor can't pull their fee out of your income account because you've run it down to zero. Um, Similarly, if you have chargebacks or if you accept checks from customers, sometimes a check will bounce and you want to make sure that you have money that is sitting in your income account. So if a check from a customer bounces or if somebody issues a chargeback, there is money there to cover that I'm going to say it's especially important with merchant processors with credit cards because they have zero tolerance for any of their payments bouncing, and that can close your account, which is a whole bunch of problems trying to get a new merchant account at that point. So I say, you know, definitely leave a buffer in your income account. For me, $100 is adequate. I would say look back and and see what your average um, fee is for Um, credit cards, credit card processing fees over the course of the month and leave that amount plus a little bit more as the floor in your income account. Yeah. I mean, these kind of fees are just sort of, you know, in your, in your bookkeeping, they'd be considered an operating expense, but in profit first land, they're sort of like a cost of doing business. So you just kind of, you know, you have that, that cushion and that buffer in that account that that credit card processor merchant processing has access to so that it's there when they need it. And again, like Billy Ann says, you know, they want their money. So you you make it available to them so that there's no hiccups along the way. Right. In a perfect world, you could tell your credit card processor, hey, I want you to take your fees out of my OPEX account. They're not going to do that. And they want to keep things easy on their end too. So they're going to want to pull the money out of the same account that they deposit money into. Now, what you can do and what I do is I transfer funds out of my office account into my income account to keep that floor in there. So when my credit card fees are drawn out at the end of the month, I just have a a transfer set up that 
replenishes that floor to $100 and we're good. And then when I'm looking at my uh, my bank accounts, I know, okay, well, that covered my merchant service fees for the month. And, you know, again, we've talked about this on a, on a previous episode that there is similar terminology, but different meanings between your cash management terminology and using terms um, there versus accounting. Um, so you kind of have to like wear a different set of glasses when you're looking at things from the cash management perspective and when your bookkeeper or accountant is talking about the same term, but in a different perspective. Right, Billian? Yes. And I'm just going to go ahead and say it. That's a perfect reason to work with a profit first professional accountant <laughs> or bookkeeper. <laughs> Because they understand, they understand what what a business owner who is talking about profit from a profit first perspective is saying, as opposed to an accountant or a bookkeeper who isn't a profit first professional, who they're still speaking accounting language um, and it's confusing for them. And then they further will confuse the business owner. Yes, yes, yes. All right. We've got another another question in your inbox. We do. Now, this one is from Maurice, and this is a good one. Um, It is, does Profit First work for businesses of all sizes? I am doing a lot of research online and finding criticism of the Profit First system for fast-growing businesses. All right. This is a this is another kind of common one that we are aware of. Um, So when I say we, we at Profit First Professionals are aware that there are some criticisms out there in internet land about the Profit First system saying that Profit First is going to stunt the growth of a fast-growing business, okay? Um, These criticisms are 100% based on misconceptions around the system. So just kind of think about from a historical standpoint um, what, what normally happens when a business is growing. The business does well and they plow the profit back into the business and the business does well again, and then you reinvest those profits. And it's just this cycle of reinvestment of profit. Okay. And that's how a business grows. What profit first does is it encourages healthy and sustainable cash management. And I'm going to say that that is something that is needed even more by fast growing businesses than it is by slower growing businesses. Because, I mean, we've all read the stories, right, of the business that's profitable on paper, but they go out of business because they run out of cash. Revenue is up and expenses are down, but that revenue is up and they haven't collected the cash yet and they're just growing. They're out, their growth is outstripping their cash needs. So one of the other criticisms around this uh, centers around the 50% distribution of profit. Um to the business owner. So one one article in particular that I remember reading was talking about how, you know, well, now the business owner is taking 50% of the profit out of the business and going on vacation. And really they should be using that money for other things in their business. There is nothing in the profit first system that dictates that you have to use your profit distribution for fun. In fact, what I would say, and what I've seen a number of business owners do is take your profit distribution and then put it in your savings account, especially if you're in a fast growth business, because now you've built a buffer of cash for yourself, for your personal finances, that will help sustain you as you're sustaining your business's growth. Yeah, it's sort of, I mean, I'm going to use this term because I think it works and it also defines something else, but the bank on yourself model. I mean, if you've got Mm -hmm. the cash available, then you're actually your own bank 
when it comes to um, having money available for that use. And, you know, Billy Ann, you bring up a really great point, especially too, since a lot of people probably get their financials given to them on an accrual basis. And that doesn't mean that that translates to to having that cash in, in the business. So you really need to watch your accounts receivable because if you've had a lot of sales, that's great. That's on paper, but you know, it really only counts when you've collected that cash and, um, mm-hmm. and there, there can be a gap. So you really want to mind that gap. You want to mind that period between when you invoice someone, when that revenue is, is posted and when you actually collect on that, that revenue. Right. Because especially if you are a young business, and again, it's kind of on the whim of the bank as well, um, smaller businesses don't have the access to capital that large businesses do. So your your large businesses of the world. Now, we're hearing more and more large businesses are having healthy cash reserves as well because they don't want to bank on the banks either. But especially a small business, you want to make sure that you have a healthy reserve of cash to make sure that you can bridge that gap, if you will, because it only takes one large customer to be, it doesn't even have to be a full week late paying their invoice and suddenly you can't make payroll or you can't cover your sales tax liability or you can't make your rent or your utilities, just any number of things. And it's a matter of days that can make that difference. So you want to make sure that you are set up for a healthy cash position. And that's exactly what Profit First does. And then we have one final um, question into your inbox, right? Yeah, one more. And this one is actually kind of an amalgamation of a number of questions, but it's asked in a variety of ways. So I'm not tying this one to a particular reader, um, but it is, how do we handle profit first in the bookkeeping? Um, This usually comes about because either the business owner is doing their own bookkeeping or because their accountant or bookkeeper has told them that they are inflating their income or expenses by using the profit first model. So we we need to think technically here for a minute. I promise it's just going to be for a minute that we're going to have to think technically here. When you are making your allocations from your income account to your profit first accounts or from your profit and uh, tax account to your profit and tax hold accounts, that shouldn't show up on your profit and loss statement at all because you are moving money between two asset accounts. So all of that activity should only be seen on your balance sheet. And it's just in those account balances changing as you allocate the money. So in your bookkeeping, regardless of your bookkeeping system, um, it's going to be a transfer. Now, how that transfer is done depends totally on the bookkeeping system, but you are just transferring money from one asset account to another asset account. It should not show up on your profit and loss statement at all. If it does, um, I would suggest having a conversation with your accountant or bookkeeper and um, just getting some guidance on how to use the bookkeeping software um, so that that um, transfer of money isn't skewing your profit and loss statement. Excellent. So anything else to share? Um, let's see. Uh, I mean, as always, I'm going to say don't get bogged down in the details. Um, there are so many nuances to profit first, especially if you read the book, especially if you read the book all the way through. It's really interesting because I will get a number of questions that I can just kind of tell from the question where they stopped in the book. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> it's like, well, if you'd read just a little bit further, here you go. But I understand why. It's because there's so much information in the book and your brain just kind of starts spinning and swimming about, well, how do I do this? And how do I do that? And what's my bookkeeper or accountant going to think? 
Um, just keep in mind that you're managing your cash. You're not really changing your bookkeeping. You are managing your cash and it is better to start and start small than to not do anything at all. You cannot harm your business with profit first. Yeah. And when Billy Ann is, is referencing start small, that means like when you're starting to do your allocations and you're not going for your target allocation percentages out of the gate. We've all heard I did that. It worked one time and then it <laughs> failed miserably on the second time. And that's when I was like, ah, oh, I got to become certified. So if you <laughs> slow your roll and you're very conservative, you know, it takes four, five, six, seven, eight, up to eight quarters to move from your target allocation percentages and like kind of where you're starting in your instant assessment, excuse me, your current allocation percentages moved to your target allocation percentages. So it, it takes a while, but you're just doing it slowly and, and just incrementally adjusting those allocation percentages with each new quarter. Right. And to that point, when you do your initial assessment, keep in mind that you're probably looking at 12 months worth of information. So your instant assessment could say, or your initial assessment could say that your historic profit is 4%. That's 4% over the course of 12 months. Businesses have seasonality. Even if you don't have a seasonal business, there are ebbs and flows. You might be setting yourself up for disappointment if you try to go to a 4% profit allocation right off the bat. I would much rather see a new business, even if their initial assessment says you can put 5% in your profit account to start with, Start with 1% in your profit account, test it for a quarter, see how it goes, and then increase it to 2 or maybe 3%. Um, but don't try to go all in, even if your initial assessment says that you can, because you're looking at a, a period of time as opposed to where you are right now. Excellent point. If you would like to work with a bookkeeper, accountant, or a coach with the heart of a teacher and ready to serve you and your business with their certified Profit First knowledge, skills, and experience, then visit ProfitFirstNation.com and click on contact to connect with one of Billy Ann and I's fellow certified Profit First professional peeps. Thank you for being here again, Billy Ann. You always bring such a wealth of knowledge, wisdom, and expertise. Thank you, Danielle. I always love being here. Cheers to another profitable day, my entrepreneurial friends. <laughs>